Good morning, Impact City. It is, it is good to see you all. Uh, as, you, as you can tell, Pastor John isn't here. He's, he's visiting some family, and so we just thank him for trusting us enough uh, to, to step on this platform and to share the message this morning. And so um, I know we just prayed, but we're going to pray again, and then uh, we'll jump into our message since we're going to read our scripture a little more in, into kind of in the middle of our, of our message this morning. So, Lord, we just thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for this house, the leaders of this house, for the people in this place, Lord, that you would just speak through us this morning, God, that we would just plant a seed, Lord, and that you would just give harvest when it's, when it's ready, when it's due time, Lord, and we just thank you for for all the, the good things that you're doing behind the scenes that we aren't even aware of, Lord. And we just choose to give you the glory now for the things that you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I mean, can we give the Lord a hand praise before you, you sit down, maybe kind of awaken up a little bit? I mean, you may be seated this morning. We thank you those, for those that are joining us online. Um, uh, it's an honor, and it will always be an honor for me to stand before you to share the message, even if it's during a weekday. It is something that we take very seriously and, and with much respect and fear. And uh, so even though we are in the midst of summer, right, and summer's it's coming and it's almost going and the parents are kind of like, no. Uh, you're starting to see all the cells in the, in the, in the stores go, go again, the, the school supplies and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so even though we are in the midst of summer and, and in the spirit of having fun this summer, we still want to bring something to the table. And so church isn't supposed to be boring or routine. Like, you're not supposed to know what's going to happen. Like, God is the God of us. Suddenly, we give, we give the Holy Spirit room to move if the Holy Spirit moves. And so, yes, there are moments when, when we will cry together, right? Uh, and there are moments where we will cheer together. And, but we get to do this together, and that's the beautiful part of this. We get to do this together. We get to learn to grow together. And, and yes, there will be times where we will hit some heavy topics that are needed in the church. And, and as I take a look around this place, we have all kinds of people in different age groups. We got the, the young, the not so young, and then we got the, the experienced and the wise. Amen? Amen? I had to, I had to really think on that one to... I didn't want to offend anybody. And so it, that's kind of like the, the mission for every speaker. You kind of don't want to leave the, the church people that have been here for a while. You don't want to leave them out with something too simple. But then you have new people to the faith that are coming. That, and let's be honest, sometimes church creates its own language, right? And so church has its own language. And so we kind of have to find the middle ground so that uh, the, the, the people that have been in church for a while can, can be fed. But then also the babies or, or the, the newcomers that are coming in, they can also be fed. And so today might be a little bit different, just a little bit different out of the ordinary. But rest assured, our intentions are to serve you well. Amen? Not too sure, but okay. Amen? And so today we began a three-week sermon series we are calling Summer Mixtape. And I know that just by saying that... Half of you all don't even know what a mixtape is, right? But for my personal humor, how many of you are guilty of stealing, I mean, creating songs for a mixtape? Show of hands. Wow. Okay. How many have been recipients of a mixtape? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know because the spouse that I have didn't, I, I don't know. 
I don't want to admit, maybe. Uh, listen, mixtape was way before LimeWire. Anybody remember LimeWire? <laughs> there was this, this phenomenon that swept through the country that had individuals glued to their big boom boxes or home stereos at a certain time frame late in the evenings. Because, you see, it was in the forbidden hours of the night that the DJ would play the romantic songs you weren't allowed to listen to during the day. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the songs you could not dare mention at a dinner conversation. Are you with me? <laughs> And this phenomenon would cause these peculiar individuals to buy blank tapes. Remember the Maxwell? Or if you had money, you bought the Sony ones. But the dollar store only carried the Maxwell, I believe. And so you would buy these blank tapes and then you would insert them in their stereo. So when the right song they were hoping to, to steal, I mean record, they would be ready. They would be ready to press record and play. And then you have to wait for the next song you wanted to steal, I mean record, or hope that someone called it in and requested it, right, so they could play it. And so creating a mixtape was a work of art. Amen? It really was. It was a work of art. And there were different reasons for creating a mixtape. And now they call them songless, and now you get to choose the songs you like, and you put them in a specific folder for a certain occasion, whether you're, you know, you're working out or you need some some time alone with God. And so today we're doing just that. We're taking a few iconic songs that when you hear that first sound, that first line of melody, you already know what that song is. I know you're saved and sanctified, but when you hear that sound, you hear that first chord, you know these songs. And so no, we're not playing them backwards, okay? You do that on your own time. And no, we're not gonna dissect it either, okay? And so I encourage you to come for the full three weeks because you never know what song it may be or what surprise may be waiting for us. And so I can't promise anything, but we all heard Pastor Andrew, John's brother, sing a little bit last Sunday. And I don't know if you know, but Pastor John has some pipes too, okay? And so we're trying to convince him to maybe give a rendition of one of these iconic songs, but we can't promise anything. You just have to, you just have to show up, okay? And so week one, here we go. Week one of the summer series, we are, we are looking at this particular song that was released in 1986. Anybody born in 1986? One. Okay, two. Okay, okay. <laughs> he didn't want to raise his hand. His wife's like, him. <laughs> and the artist is 24 years old at the time of, of the release of this song that swept the nation to its core. It's none other than Bon Jovi. Oh, and, uh, and uh, congratulations to all of you this morning. I don't, know, I don't know if you got the text this morning, but you all made the Impact City Church Choir. Yeah, give yourself a hand, a hand clap for that. You guys made the Impact City Church Choir. Just for today, though. Right? Just, just for today. Okay. <laughs> and so you finally made the cut, right? And this is your debut Sunday. All right, so when the DJ spins the track, I'm going to need you to sing your heart out, right, like your life depends on it. So Impact City Church Choir, are you ready? Yeah. Test mic, one, two, three. Impact City Church Choir, are you ready? Yeah. 
And don't worry, don't worry. You, you won't need the lyrics because the Holy Spirit tells me, the Holy Spirit is telling me that you already know this song. So DJ, would you be so kind to spin that track? enough to join into the choir. Uh, you guys sounded so good. I know some of you perhaps hesitant. And I was like, is this even allowed? Um, call Pastor John, babe. This is, no, this, no. Right, but then the Holy Spirit came over you and you kind of started singing a little bit louder and then you got loose and then I heard a few trying to harmonize, trying to steal the spotlight. <laughs> Praise Jesus for you. And I, but I thought about that part where it says we're halfway there. Right? And so I thought about, my mind went back to Sunday school, Sunday school, where they had us singing the Christian version of this verse. And it goes something like this. <clears throat> I'm not singing. It says, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Bon Jovi said, we're halfway there. And I've been hearing Jesus is coming back since, since I was little. Husky still, but little. And now I, I think we can, that's the equivalent, you know, Christian version of we're halfway there. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. So living on a prayer, and our text this morning is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you Simon, that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. One of the first things I notice here, other than the letters being in red, is that Jesus tells Peter that Satan has asked to sift each of you, meaning the, the disciples, all of them. But then notice with me, please, the words of Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, Peter. Notice that. Like, Jesus saying, the saying is, is trying to test all of you, but I, Jesus, have prayed for you, Peter. Not all of them, but you, Peter. And can you imagine for just a moment if Jesus were to tell you personally, I have prayed for you like in a group of 12 and Satan has asked to test you, to tempt you. And Jesus says in front of the 12, I have prayed for you. I don't know about you, but personally, I would be like, okay, then, it's over, Satan. Game, set, match, Jesus, 
has prayed for me. Jesus, all divinity, all humanity, wrapped in one, the Godhead three in one, just said he has prayed for me. That's the ultimate cheat code if there was one. And Peter gets to hear these words. And, and for the sake of our message this morning, I would, I would say it this way, that Peter is essentially living on a prayer, isn't he? If you know the rest of the story in that one verse that we read, we read Jesus tells him what is going to happen. And that includes Peter's betrayal. And then notice, though, the verse ends and it says, and when you have turned back. Jesus gave him the whole story, the plot, and the ending. Jesus knew all things. And I need to remind some of us here this morning that we are all living on a prayer. Prayer from our parents and grandparents and leaders and pastors uh, that prayed even when you didn't even know it. I don't know about you, but I'm standing here as a result of praying parents that didn't give up on me even when, and didn't give up on God even when it didn't look good. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you for those pray, praying parents. Parents that were, were relentless, even when things didn't look good, didn't seem good, they, they kept praying for us, they kept praying for you. And some of you are here because of grandparents that probably you never got to meet, but they prayed for you. They prayed for you. And some of us, most of us here, are the harvest of a seed in prayer form. Most of us here are the harvest of a seed in prayer form. A prayer that was sown and, it, and in its due time it gave forth fruit. And I have to tell a true story of a couple we had the pleasure of knowing a few years ago. They attended my dad's church at the time and, and her name, there was an elderly couple and her name was Victoria. And her husband's name was Jesus. Victory and Jesus. What a combination. Victoria and Jesus. Victoria and Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and they were some of the most incredible people you would ever meet. And, and sometimes when I, I, when I was kind of going over my notes, I would get a little emotional because they're the type of people that you meet once and you never forget because they just carry something special. They carry something special. And, and she was a prayer warrior. I mean a prayer warrior. So much so that I dare say that when she would pray before the service started, she, the atmosphere would shift. It would change. You could sense it. You could feel it. She was that type of person that is just full of prayer. She was the type of prayer warrior that when the pastor, the leader, would go and lay hands to minister in prayer, the, the pastor, the minister, would get ministered too because she was just that full of prayer but her greatest testimony was that she prayed for her husband to give his life to Jesus and if I remember correctly she would say that she she prayed for 30 plus years she prayed the same prayer for her husband to be saved for her husband to give his life to Jesus 30 plus years more than 30 years praying the same prayer are you kidding me her seed in prayer from her in form, her seed in prayer form finally gave fruit. See, some of us pray for 30 seconds. And if Jesus doesn't answer us, we go check our horoscope. Or we read what the Enneagram of the day says for us and see what's going on since Jesus is too busy. But for 30 plus years, praying the same prayer until the day finally came and Jesus gave his life. To Jesus. 
Jesus gave his life to Jesus. Parents, don't stop praying for your children. I don't care how old they are. Don't stop praying for your children. Spouse, don't stop praying for your spouse. It may not look good. It may not feel good. But don't stop praying for your spouse. Children, don't stop praying for your parents because parents need prayer too. And prayers are but seeds sown, and eventually they will give forth fruit. And as churchy as this may sound, it still holds true. There is power in prayer. Can I buy an amen? There is power in prayer. We are all living on a prayer. Because it's one thing to say that there is power in prayer, but it's another thing when, when we have been in a difficult moment and we have experienced firsthand the power of prayer. And it's not, a, it's not church language. It's, it's something we say or, or something we say because everyone else is saying it, but, but because we have experienced it and we have seen with our, with our own eyes the power of prayer. But I was thinking about how, how even if you're not a big believer in prayer, or maybe someone that doesn't even believe in God, or maybe even a, an atheist, how there is within us a natural inclination to pray. Stay with me. Especially in moments of suspense, of tragedy, of fear, of anger, of desperation. Like that, that in those moments, we don't have to think about it. But within, there is a natural inclination to pray. Even if it's a quick prayer, but it's a prayer to a higher power. And how many of, you, of us have yelled out, Jesus, in a moment of fear? Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, maybe a dog was running after you and you're scared of dogs. No, just me? Okay. And when you felt like you were about to have a car accident, and in that moment there was a prayer that was released. right? A prayer that you didn't have to think about but that flowed from your inner being. Or maybe in a moment of frustration because life isn't going well for you right now, and from the depths of your soul came a prayer that said, God, I need you now. God, oh God, I need you now. Or maybe in a moment of desperation because nothing is changing, nothing is getting better, and you feel like you're putting in the work, you're being faithful, you're being honest, you're doing everything you can that is in your control. And from the depths of your soul came a prayer that says, God, I need you to come to my rescue. Mm. But what is it within us, the, hum the human being, the humanity in whole, that there is this natural inclination to pray in a moment of suspense? What is it that, that's inside of you and I that causes us to have a posture of prayer without having to think about it? Like, and why is it that it's prayer that, that, that flows from our inner being? Why not something else? Why not a song? Why not a scream or something else? Why is it a prayer? Stay with me. Because when you and I were created, we, humanity, we were given the spirit of the Father. We were given the spirit of the Father. What does that mean? That means because it is a spirit, the spirit has a home. The spirit has a source that it comes from. The spirit has headquarters, if you will. The spirit came from someone. And because of that, there is a relationship, there is a connectivity, there is communion, there is a pull to the greater. Are you with me? And so when we do encounter those moments of suspense, of fear, of frustration, of desperation, the spirit within the creation calls out to the creator, to the source. It calls out to home. E.T. was right all along. E.T. for home. 
he knew it, this wasn't it. And some of us, when we enter a certain place or we, we're going through valleys in our lives, we know that this isn't it. And our spirit within cries out to home. The creation calls out to its creator. And for many of us here, all we have left is a prayer. Mm. For many of us, we've done everything we can on our own strength. We've exhausted all our resources. We've, resources. we've used up all our networks, and we feel like the only thing we have left is prayer. But isn't it crazy how in an unexpected moment, our natural response is prayer? But when we actually have a plan, a blueprint, prayer is always the last resort. Living on a prayer. I want to tell someone today that if you feel like all you have left is prayer, I'm glad you are here today. Follow me as we go through a journey in the scriptures of people just like you and me that when all they, all they had left was prayer, that one prayer was the catalyst to a new season in their lives. They essentially became people living on a prayer. So we're going to read James chapter 5 verse 16 through 18. James chapter 5 verse 16 through 18 and it reads like this. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruits. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let's start with Joshua, who is leading the army in battle. And as they are fighting, Joshua has one more prayer left in him. He prayed that the sun would stand still and for the moon to stand still until the nation can, could avenge itself from its enemies. And the sun stood still until victory was theirs. Joshua had one more prayer left in him before the day was over, and his seed in prayer form gave forth its fruits. Joshua and his army were living on a prayer. And what about Hannah? Hannah, whose womb is closed and barren, who can't give her husband children. Hannah, who desperately wants to experience motherhood but can't. Hannah who watches over children that aren't hers but loves them as if they were. And in a moment of despair, the scripture says that she goes to the temple and she gets to the altar and begins to pray. One more prayer within her. Her prayer is so intense, so real, so powerful, so raw that the high priest thinks she's drunk. It says that he saw her lips moving but did not hear her voice. Her spirit was calling out to home. She had one more prayer left. And she made that prayer count. She gave birth to a son named Samuel nine months later. Her seed in prayer form gave forth fruits. Hannah and her baby boy Samuel were living on a prayer. What about Samson? 
Samson, who was well-respected before his fall, that led him to being put in a cell and be treated as a criminal. Samson, who with a jawbone of a dead donkey defeated a thousand men. Samson now is taken into captivity. He is completely blind because they have gouged his eyes out and shaved his head. And now he has been beaten and he is forced now to work as a slave. And when his enemies decide to have a banquet, they have this great idea to put Samson in between two pillars as a trophy and amusement for all to see. And through all the victories and defeats Samson has been through, he has one more prayer left in him. He prays to God that he would restore his strength one last time. And he had one more prayer left in him and he made it count. And in that moment, his strength was restored and he pushed the pillars away from each other that caused the entire temple to come crashing down. And although it did kill Samson, in one last act, he killed more enemies in that one act than he had his entire life. All he had left was one last prayer. His seed in prayer form gave forth fruit. And Samson was living on a prayer for one last time. What about Hezekiah? King, King Hezekiah, who is very sick and near death. And when the prophet comes to him, and instead of, of giving him good news, the prophet tells him, get your house in order for you're going to die and you're not going to live. It's like, thanks. Thanks for the good news. Get your house in order for you're going to die and you will not live. And the Bible says that the king, King Hezekiah, turns his face to the wall. Hmm. And I have to stop there because how many of us have been there? In that moment that King Hezekiah is in, that all he can do is face the wall because he feels like there is nothing left for him to do. Like no one is coming to rescue him from that particular sickness. People at this point can't do anything for him. And the only thing he feels to do is turn his back to humanity and life itself and face the wall. I wonder how many of us here today are facing a wall. There is nothing people can do for you or say to you to make things better. You feel like all you have left to do is turn your back to humanity, life itself, and face the wall. And I can't help but wonder, what is King Hezekiah thinking in those moments? What is, what is going through his mind? How can a king's life end this way? It's not an honorable death. It's a lonely death, and no one can help him. Not his resources, not his servants, not the ring of authority, not even the title of king can help him now. But as he turns to face the wall for perhaps the final time, he has one let more prayer left in him. And he made that one last prayer count. And because of that prayer, God adds to his life 15 years. 15 years, his seed in prayer form gave forth fruit. And Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, is a man living on a prayer. And I came to encourage someone that feels like all you have left is one last prayer. Maybe things haven't gotten better in your life or in your home or with your kids or whatever it may be, your business. Let me tell you that you are in good company because so did Joshua. They all had one prayer left. So did Hannah. So did Samson. And so did King Hezekiah. And the same God that heard and answered their prayers 
is the same God that hears yours today. The power of prayer is available today. Prayer is the language of the supernatural. Prayer is creation calling out to its creator. Prayer is calling out to home. And maybe the truth is some of us are homesick. We cry not because we feel the presence of the Lord, but because we don't feel the presence of the Lord. Someone put it this way, a fish and a bird can fall in love, but where will they live? You don't have to take, you don't have to kill a fish, just take it out of its natural environment and it dies on its own. You don't have to kill a bird, just take it out of its natural environment and it dies on its own. You take the man, humanity, out of the presence of God, you don't have to kill it. We die on our own. The presence of God is our home. So when God created Eden, it was, uh, it was an uh, uh, embassy of what was in heaven. It was here. And so when God tells Adam, go, go and multiply, when he tells him, go, um, I can't think of the word. But when he tells him, go and subdue the land, he's telling them whatever, how, how, however Eden looks like, go and take it over there. But it wasn't just the environment. It was that in the environment, it was the presence of God. Humanity was made to live in the presence of God. And without the presence of God, we are corrupt. It's taking us out of our natural environment. And prayer is crying out to its creator. And prayer is calling out to home. Maybe it's been a while for you. Maybe we're so used to repetitive prayers. But I challenge you that this week, I know we have busy schedules, and maybe you don't get to eat dinner as a whole family anymore, and, you know, just everything's on the go. But if you do have time before dinner, Dad, you pray one day. Mom, you pray the next day. Children, you pray, you, you pray the, the third day and just alternate. And, and I hope that when you do, that the presence of God would invade that, that place right there. That the food would taste ten times better. Come on. But because there are hearts that are grateful in that moment. Prayer is calling out to home. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Would the worship team help me? I know this is a short one. This is probably going to be the shortest one. But we wanted to set up the rest of the series. If our natural response... In a moment of suspense, tragedy, fear, frustration, and desperation is to pray. It's because within us, within you, within me, there is a desire to connect with the divine. There's a desire to connect with the divine. And the beautiful part of this true gospel is that we don't have to wait for those moments to happen so that we can actually pray. But if you do happen to be in a place where you feel like you've exhausted every other avenue and yet you are still left looking for answers, I wonder if you have one last prayer left in you. Mm. And I wonder if you have enough strength to believe God one more time to answer that prayer. See, we are people living on a prayer. We, we really are. And we're halfway there. And I don't know, I know prayer doesn't sound exciting, 
But it's the one thing we have as children of God that opens portals to the supernatural. Let me end with this. See, I find it interesting that at the end of the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is a span of 400 years of silence where God did not communicate with humanity and humanity did not communicate with God. The one thing, think with me, the one thing God withheld from humanity was the ability to speak. He could have withheld anything else, signs and wonders. The one thing he withholds from humanity for 400 years is the ability to speak, to communicate heaven to earth and earth to heaven. What is prayer if it isn't communication or communicating with the creator? And the one thing God withheld was the ability to talk to him and him to us. May we come to see that prayer is not a burden. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is not I have to. Prayer is I get to. Prayer is not a job. Prayer is an opportunity to let his kingdom come in the middle of our circumstances. I find it, why is it that, I find it interesting, yeah. I find it interesting why the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. Instead of teach us how to cast out demons, how to do this, how to do miracles. Because he knew prayer was, was at the core of everything Jesus did. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The disciples got it. We're people living on a prayer. And prayer is the language of the supernatural. And so if we cast out, when they couldn't cast out demons, they said, Oh, how come we couldn't catch this demon out? Jesus said, this one only comes out with fasting and prayer. They, they had to know what was the recipe. Jesus, teach us to pray. If you have tried everything else and all you have left is prayer, then make that prayer count. Make that prayer count. It doesn't have to be fancy talk. The simpler, the better. The raw, the better. We are all living on a prayer. All of us are living on a prayer. But it doesn't stop with us. If we had praying parents, and now we're parents ourselves, now it's our job to pray for our parents, our kids, and our parents too. To pray for our kids. So that the seeds can continue to be sown, so that there can be harvest in the land. Don't be afraid of prayer. It's a beautiful thing when God invades your space where you're at in your car. I've been there. I'm listening to a song and God just hits me. I'm at a red light and my windows aren't tinted. And I'm just hoping the person doesn't look this way because I'm not looking your way. And I know I'm bawling and I don't know about you, but I don't have a beautiful cry. I have an ugly cry. I can't control my face, how it, how it uh, moves, I don't know. But it's a beautiful moment. I, I, I can truly say my most intimate moments with Jesus have been in a car by myself. That's one of the reasons why I love road trips. <laughs> it's just me and God, me and creation, and God just moves. 
And everything I, I want to say comes out, not manufactured words, not on a script, not scripted, just raw. God, this is your son, and I need you. I need you now. And so truth be told, even though Bon Jovi wrote these lyrics, living on a prayer, we're halfway there. Jesus said this so way before that, Peter, I have prayed for you your faith would not fail thee. And I want you to know that God prays for us. God has you. Isaiah says that he has you in the palm of his hand. And John echoes that. He says, I have you in the palm of my hand that the enemy will not snatch you away. I want you to know that God thinks about you more than you think he thinks about you. And he loves you. We're all living on a prayer. So would you bow your heads? We're going to pray. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for gifting us humanity, Lord, the opportunity to pray. Thank you for giving us, Lord, the, the venue, Lord, or the avenue, rather, Lord, to connect with the divine, Father, anywhere we are. No matter if we're on a mountaintop experience or we are in the darkest valley we have ever faced in our entire lives, that there's this avenue, Lord, this thing called prayer that we can call out to you, that the creation, us, Lord, we can call out to our creator. Lord, and that you see us through and then you come to our rescue, Lord. I thank you for that opportunity, Father. I thank you for the gift of prayer and I pray, Lord, that we would be people of prayer, not just on Sundays, Lord, and not just when that direct deposit hits. But even on a Monday morning, Lord, or even on Wednesday, Father, midweek, I pray that you would give us the words, Lord, to, to, to pray in moments of despair, in moments of frustration, moments of fear, that you would just, God, just, and that your presence would just come into that, that place, Lord, into our lives. And so we just thank you for, Lord, the, the examples that you give us, Lord, in Scripture of Samson, of Hannah, Lord, of Joshua, of King Hezekiah, a king, Lord. But all they had left was a prayer, but they made that prayer count. And maybe some here, somebody here, Lord, is all they, they've tried everything and all they have left is a prayer. And they're just here, Lord, at, at church, not even planned, just maybe just stop by. And I say, I'm going to give God one more try. Lord, I pray that they would have the courage enough to pray that one last prayer. And that that prayer would be the catalyst to a new season in their lives. We thank you for our praying parents, Lord, for the grandparents, for the leaders above us. But now in turn, Lord, it's our turn to pray for those that have prayed for us, those that are coming behind us, Lord. Because it's not about us, it's what you're doing through us. So we thank you for the new season. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the people, Lord, that you would awaken, Lord, the desire to pray because we're all living on a prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Would you?